This good karma wrestling. Welcome to another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. Along with me, as always, Brian Rowitz from ESPN in West Palm and from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Who doesn't love the acclaimed? It is Jonathan Hood. So it still seems so fresh, still seems so new. And it was where we start is WWE and the Triple H era. And I think that's where we have to start the show. Because SummerSlam, we did a lot, very extensive show on SummerSlam, pop-up show. You can check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you uh, download that and listen to our breakdown immediately following the action this past Saturday. But Raw was really fun. Like, this was the last time. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I had that much fun watching Raw. And Raw can be tough because it is three hours. But, you know, Jay Hood, you you said this, like, during the show on Monday night, you you. Us like it had a, a, a after WrestleMania feel, like Raw after WrestleMania feel. It popped a number. It's their best number they've done on on Raw in two years. So, are we confident that this is a new WWE? Well, my quick answer is I'm pretty confident it feels like a new WWE. Because let's see, let's see. You've got uh, EO Sky, Bailey, Dakota Kai, Mustafa Ali in a meaningful matchup the celebration of the U.S. title and as an old school wrestling fan to show, see those old black and white films and the, the, the history of the U.S. title is pretty good. Montez Ford in a singles match against Seth Rollins. Didn't matter who's going to get over there. Just the point is that uh, just to see Montez Ford as a single on Monday Night Raw, it felt different. You know, I thought at first, especially that first SmackDown, guys, I, my thought was, bro, it's just like, do people just want to see in the looking glass and see this – in like this is new or is it really new and i'm leaning toward it feels new because i'm not sure that vince mcmahon would have said you know what it's time now for mustafa ali and it's more it's time for an opportunity for little triple h champa to win two matches on the same show yeah i agree like when we talked last week everyone was getting their hopes up there was so much optimism say hey the day is finally here is that triple h wwe and I still was a little skeptical because I was like, hey, well, you know, there still is the Kevin Dunn's of the world and Pritchard's still around. Like, I don't know if we can get that far. And then SummerSlam was really fun. And then Monday had an hour commercial free that didn't feel like, you know, seven hours. Like, it was just a fun hour. It had good wrestling. And even the little things, the fewer jump cuts, no piped in crowd noise. Like, this is wrestling again. Like, it felt like more wrestling than sports entertainment. And it definitely felt different to where I don't see how we ever go back, especially after that number. Because now they can say, look, we changed it up, and people were into it on Monday. So it's funny to me, because the, the one Raw rating that I think that did really good was a couple of years ago when they did a gauntlet match with Seth Rollins. Right. You know, they just did like an hour, and like people were into it. Like, oh, you mean people tune into the wrestling show to watch wrestling? Right. And then you had, and it wasn't just matches for the sake of matches. You know, you had storytelling within them. Like the two triple, the two triple threat matches that they had, they put something on the line. Whereas, right. I mean, I mean you, you think of like SmackDown and Raw, like, I mean, for, for forever now, you know, they, they finally did the match on SmackDown. You know, you trying to build something for uh, Drew McIntyre to finally wrestle Sheamus. You know, it, it's just like, okay, we're just kind of doing this. Or, you know, two wrestlers wrestling on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown for no reason for like a month straight. But I mean, the Usos things... didn't face the Street Profits Monday. When was the last time that happened? <laughs> yeah, or it, it's some variation, right? right? And it's yeah, 
it, it was, you know, it, it, it made sense to me, you know, like, oh, you've got these triple threat matches, not just to have them. Oh, there's something on the line and something happens if you win this to progress. Like that's, it's, it's a little thing, right? It's just a little thing. But to me, it makes the world a difference as a wrestling fan. Yeah, it's the in- incremental changes that we're going to see away from the Vince booking and the Triple H booking. I think that's what we're going to see. I think as we were kind of talking about the last week or so, people thought you're going to see wholesale changes and that Raw would be two hours and all their favorites would be pushed at the same time. It takes time. It mm-hmm. takes time for everyone to undo the booking. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. The, the way Raw started off with Becky Lynch, and that, that's Triple H undoing the wrong I mean, Becky was was over as a heel, there's no doubt. But there was a time where she was as over as anybody in the company as a babyface. We saw a babyface promo right there uh, from Becky Lynch to start off Raw. Very, very well done. She spoke from the heart. She's always been a good promo, but she's gotten better over the last year. And I, it, it didn't feel scripted to me. When I saw Ch- Ciampa speak, it didn't feel scripted to me. It felt like bullet pointed. I think that that's going to be the difference between the Vince era and this era now, where I think wrestlers can be able to speak about their character and their situation, the program that they're in, and it will feel authentic. It feels like a fight. Yeah, I think that's the crazy part. You mentioned the wholesale changes. Like, I feel like a lot of what we're going to see change-wise is going to be with the same exact roster. Like, you're going to get little additions. We got EO, we got Dakota Kai. Like, we'll probably see a Gargano down the line. But I feel like Triple H is going to say, hey, this is what I've got. I can work with this. Like, this isn't a roster that's so depleted that he's like, I can't do anything with this. Like, there are guys and girls in the roster that you can build around. But you do have to undo, like you said, Jay Hood, some of the bad booking. You still have to make some of these tag teams credible enough to one day knock off the Usos. You have to make someone else good enough to knock off Roman down the line. So there are those little things they need to do. But I do think they have the guys and girls there right now that can work. Yeah, and and again, it's the little things, right? Like, Ciampa was just the a sideshow, right? Like he'd right. come in and he was just the little bulldog for, for the Miz where he could come in and interrupt matches. And in one three hour raw, he became a credible challenger. No, I don't think he's going to win, but he's a credible challenger to the U S title and Bobby Lashley. They already have started to rebuild Seth Rollins with his win over Montez Ford as maybe the next credible challenger for Roman Reigns or Drew McIntyre, whoever happens to win at clash at the castle, since they've already set up that match um, coming up in about a month or so, but they, you know, it, they didn't have, and that was our biggest complaint post WrestleMania was okay. Well, who who's out there to actually right. challenge Roman and, and these things take time, but you're starting to see them already happen. And that's what makes it exciting. And our biggest review, like uh, after the biggest, I think the best thing we could say about SummerSlam and we said it on the show on Saturday was, I can't wait to see what happens on raw. Yep. And now I'm yeah. like, I'm curious to see what happens on SmackDown. I'm see what they doing, you know, next week on raw. It's not, Oh man, it's seven o'clock on Monday. All right. Well, here we go. Three hour slog. Turn on Raw. No, I'm, I'm actually excited for it. And I'm excited to see where they go. Now, it, it may it may get stale eventually, but right now it feels fresh. And these little changes make it seem like it's those changes are here to stay. Well, I mean, to I your can't... point, Gabe, like my own barometer, like I work nights. So I usually work during Raw. Like, and for me, I'll usually put it in the office. I'm here in a market where baseball doesn't really matter. So there's really no sports right now because, well, the Marlins are a AAA affiliate. So I usually would put Raw on the TV 
And then, like, every time I'd look at it, like, I'd be annoyed. Like, hearing the piped-in crowd noise, seeing the jump cuts, seeing things that don't make sense, to where I would have to turn it off. I'm like, I, I can't sit through this. Monday, I didn't want to turn it off. I was like, all right, like, this is entertaining. Like, oh, I want to see this match. Doesn't help with work productivity, but overall, like, that was my barometer. I was like, hey, I want to stick around for this. <laughs> it's going to break our little hearts, by the way. <laughs> One day, we're going to see Sean Ross, Sapper, Dave Meltzer, and he's, they're going to send a tweet out that says, Oh, yeah, Vince signed off on this a month ago. <laughs> oh, it's got Triple H's idea. What the F? No. Oh, God. You mean he really wanted to push Chop all along? You mean he really did want, you know, like Becky to be a baby face? Like, my, my hope is, is that our, our, our souls are not crushed. And right. That this is Triple H. Honestly, God, though, hopefully that's not the case where we get the old McMahon, you know, this has been written for uh, at least a month or two in advance. That doesn't sound like Vince anyway, because he was tearing up scripts, you know, the day of the event. So that probably, but you know, but you know what it is, Gabe? These are our Triple H's guys. Ciampa is a Triple H guy. You know, I mean, this is why he was pushed so much NXT in those main events. He feels strongly about Bianca Belair. You, you can just tell the strength. Just the way that she goes about her business, likes her a lot. And just the idea that Bailey's back in this thing. Who knows when we're going to see Bailey wrestle, but her as a mouthpiece pushing uh, EO Sky into that matchup against Bianca, you can just tell that the wheels are turning. And I think in the right way. And by the way, you got a, a month to really build here because for once, there are no pay per views in August in wrestling. On the, on the mainstream. So you got time to start building toward the Clash of the, of the Castle in September. Yeah, and instead of like, and I wish they'd have just put it on the main SummerSlam card instead of putting it on on SmackDown because then Drew McIntyre wouldn't have had to awkwardly come out on Saturday and like just hold up his sword. But, you know, it just didn't make any sense. And maybe that's why they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing it for versus McIntyre winner gets the title chance. The next pay-per-view, which is, by the way, one of the pillar pay-per-views for the company but the one after that, it just didn't make sense. So I, I like how they can now stretch out. And it, it seems like they're, they're having some freedom, not just with the promos, but freedom in the ring. Like that Styles clash that AJ Styles gave Ali, like, holy cow, that was really cool that he just, he caught him after he popped up after doing the 450 splash on top of Miz, catches him, Styles clash on top of Miz, once again, and, and then AJ Styles gets the win. It seems that somebody like AJ is going to even thrive even more because of his creativity, and I think Triple H is going to allow that creativity to flow. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see sort of like, it's a low bar to clear. Like, to Jay Hood, to your point about Vince, like, it was very quick. That story came out Sunday that, or Saturday, Sunday, that Vince shot down the idea of that Bailey faction. Like, it was pitched months ago, and Vince said, no, no, I don't want to do that. So that was thrown out there quickly to make sure Triple H got the shine for that. So like these little things, like Triple H doesn't have to do a massive overhaul. Like we don't need to have, you know, Kevin Owens as the world champion as much as I would love that. Like it's little things where like, you know what, this is a lot better because it wasn't that, you know, long ago that we enjoyed the WWE, but it's been a while that we've said, all right, this is a really fun product. Like we just enjoyed little pieces. So it's very low bar to clear. So congrats to him, I guess, for clearing that. Sure. And as I've been saying for weeks here on this show, you have a lot of talent in the back. You're just not yeah. utilizing. You just put it on the six people, the Vince six that he trusts, and then the rest of the people are sitting in catering. Just the idea that Mustafa Ali, for instance, right, 
who's who's asked for his release. I don't want to be here. I've been asking for my release. I don't want to be here. I want to be over the Indies. Well, I'm sure now the Triple H says, um, "Hey, uh, kid, uh, you want your release?" Uh? And like, and I'm sure Mustafa Ali is just like, "No, I'm good. I'm safe. I'm good." Because it, it, even in a loss game, it's fine because at least he's on Monday Night Raw. He's in something meaningful, right? And so that at least he's getting an opportunity, a chance. And so when I see that, when I see Ciampa, I'm sure there'll be more also that are going to get an opportunity on Raw SmackDown to kind of show what they can do. That really says a lot about the Triple H era so far. And, and well, yeah, he did lose, but he looked good. It's not like when he yeah. was, you know, running, I'm forgetting the, the, the faction that he had that, they ended up looking like idiots with Mace and T Bar. Yeah. He ended up being the oh, leader, yeah. like whatever you know. I don't remember whatever the name of that, that at all. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. It was that <laughs> bad. It was just so bad, and they were made to look like idiots, right? <laughs> right. Like, okay, I'll put you on TV, but you're going to be my idiot. No, he was. <laughs> even though he lost, he was allowed to shine. Like he's a really good performer in the ring, and. This is, again, if Triple H keeps this up, I think it's bad news for AEW because we were all excited going, ooh, maybe Sasha ends up in AEW. I mean, now there are reports out there that, that Sasha Banks and, and, and Naomi are, are, are going to reconcile with WWE and show back up on WWE programming. And, and if Triple H is going to run things the way we think he is, it's not going to be a shoe-in that a lot of our favorite, especially in-ring performers, end up on AEW. Oh, without a doubt. Like, we talk a lot about the abundance of talent in AEW, but that might be the roster for a while now, and you might just have subtractions instead of additions. Because I don't think we're going to see, like, free agents like we've seen the last year or so where they're asking for their release or there's budget cuts or things like that. And those other names that have been floating out there, you know, we talk about Gargano, Bray Wyatt, Sasha. Like, those names that we just say, oh, they'd be fun in AEW – they might be headed back. And I know Tony was sort of defensive about like the Adam Coles of the world saying like, oh, he's under contract. He's not going back. But I can see a lot more people saying like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go back. That's a new WWE. I haven't worked there before. Yeah, let, let's underline this point, guys. More so than Vince being out of the company, I'm sure the former WWE people that's in AEW or on the indie circuit look over and say, hmm, Vince is gone. And so is Laurinaitis. You know, right. I think I'm in. No, yeah. seriously. Like, it's more than that. Kevin Dunn might be done here because he would always have a say in Vince's ear on stuff that's happening. Yeah, if you're going to clean house with the with the Vince people, and that includes Bruce Pritchard at some point too, and also all of a sudden Triple H brings his guys in, I think it becomes more appealing. So if you're Tony Khan, you better start understanding the difference between booking and storytelling. Because if, if nothing else, hey, WWE's got a massive roster, but Triple H will try to find a way to appease a lot of that roster and put them in positions to succeed. Instead of these one-off matches in AEW, there's going to be storytelling because if nothing else, Triple H does understand about storytelling. You might not like it all, but I think it'll feel fresh and it'll feel new based on the stuff we've seen over the last 35 years. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to like it all, right? You know, you're never going to like every story that's being told, but I think we're going to start liking a little bit more because really recently, over the last six months of WWE, about the only fun story they've told is the bloodline. And even that has gotten just a hair stale and it's gotten tough because Roman Reigns signed a new contract and he's not around as much as he has been. So that it's certainly something keeping an eye on, but WWE feels fresh and it feels new. That's the top story. And now we like to go to what we call the three count. Our other three stories that we want to talk about right now on GKW. Brian, what do we have at number one? 
We'll start back on Saturday, SummerSlam in the Nashville area, which we talked about with a fun show. But what letter grade would you give SummerSlam from this past weekend? I'm, I'm just trying to think if, if it could be, if it could have been any better. Um, I, I, I still walk away. What? Because I walked in going, okay, how are they going to do Brock and Roman differently? Well, they did Brock and Roman differently. They did, like, they yeah. did uh -huh. it. They, they, they involved a front motor. Okay, sweet. They lifted up the ring. That was cool. Uh, Logan Paul did everything and more that he could have possibly done. Uh, Becky and Bianca really delivered in that first match. And then you had a new faction. I, I have a hard time walking away going, I, I think that was an A. I, I think that was, ended up being a home run for WWE, and I'm going to say SummerSlam was an A. Uh, at, uh, at worst, an A- minus to a B. And here's why I'm going to go up a little bit with the A-. minus. So, bro, it's, I said at the time of the matchup, the first match with uh, Becky and Bianca, I said there's something wonky with this match. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I said, there's something with Bianca. Is she going to lose? Because it, it doesn't see, it seems like it's a little disconnected. Come to find out that Becky was actually hurt. Right. right. And, and so I, I had one arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was in our text message. I, I, told, yeah. I said, guys, it's something's weird with this match. It doesn't seem like it's connected. But Becky, she still wrestled, even though that she, you know, her arm was, was messed up. She wrestled anyway for 20 minutes. But I want to give them credit. I want to give Becky credit because. I mean, they could have ended that early and still did the right. thing afterwards and, you know, introducing the three heels. But I just will tell you that I think they did a great – they did a great job. Um, and, even, and some online are talking about the uh, the Pat McAfee match and it's like, what was that? Hey, Pat McAfee wrestled like a SmackDown color analyst. I had no problem with that. You know, people think he's supposed to have like this five-star code red – you know, to, to end the matchup, like, it's an announcer, brother. He's a talk show host. You want him to look as smooth as Seth Rollins? That's just not going to happen. And so that's, all, that's only for people like Logan Paul. But I, I will just tell you that I, I think it was as good a pay-per-view as that you'll find, only because of the surprises the main event was able to deliver. Um, there's question marks about the Street Profits. So, no, they it delivered. It's typical WWE. More times than not, you put it in the ring, it's going to deliver. Yeah, so I'll go B, B plus. Like, I think, you know, we've talked for so long, these live events, these premium live events are glorified house shows. This didn't feel like that, which was great. The main event is something like, I never want to see those guys in the ring again, going into it to where I wasn't interested at all. And they performed. Like, the truck spot, like, everything they were doing, I was like, okay, that was amazing. Like, it wasn't a five-star classic, but that was just a really fun match. There were just little things, like the tag match, Uso Street Profits, like, Jarrett was just there, which didn't make sense. Also, with it trying to live up to the last one, like, didn't quite live up to those expectations. So that was a little bit of a letdown. And there were just some other matches. Like, Liv and Ronda was not good. Lashley and Theory was quick. So, like, that's the only reason I wouldn't go A territory there. But I will say this. Well, while the match between Liv and Ronda wasn't necessarily good, I like what they did with the angle. Sure. I like what yeah. they did coming out of it to Ronda to go back to the baddest woman on the planet. You know, like... To allow her to be what she is, and she should be a heel, just goes in there, kicks ass, takes names, doesn't care who you are. Now she's fined and suspended, of course. Um, I'm assuming she'll be back for Clash in the Castle. But, you know, yeah, put that in air quotes. Um, <laughs> kayfabe is still real. It's still real to me, damn it. Um, but it, it, allows, it allows her, to me, to be the character that she's supposed to be. So while the match wasn't what we expected, it still provided us with something coming out of the match 
that I think is worthwhile. Yeah, are you gonna call, hold, hold on, hold on a second. What were you going to call Rhonda? You were going to call her something. <laughs> Were you gonna give her Jade Cargill's moniker there, Nitzel? I think you were. I, I almost you did. Know, yes, you, I almost you did. You gonna call the bad? Yeah. You, she's not on that. I almost staff. did. She's not on that. <laughs> <laughs> I almost you did. You gonna call the bad <laughs> bitch of the planet, weren't you? That, come on, was, Jr. That's not that close. Jade Cargill. It was close. You're gonna call her that baddest bitch. <laughs> I was like, wait just a second. That's only the undefeated Jade Cargill. Wait, what, what town am I in? Where am I? <laughs> I just thought that's hilarious. You came close to the bitch. Very close. So close. So you close. Did. I really did. It was so close. It was unbelievably close. I caught myself, though. I, I oh, think you'd have been fine, but Jay Hood, like, you caught me, man. No, I just don't want the. I'm trying to protect you from the Jade Cargill stands. Okay. I just know, because they're out there. Daddies. I'm just trying to protect you. That's right. They have a name. They're baddies. That's right. But yeah, I think overall, like it was fun. We talked. I think that's the best part. Like it was a fun pay per view. I'm glad. Like it definitely works in their benefit. To your point, Jay Hood, that they don't have to rush to another pay per view. Like that they can actually build. And I think this this next month will be a good test of their storytelling abilities and seeing how they build up and make the next show even better. Yeah. So I, I yeah. would say like A minus to B plus. I think that's about right. And. You know, um, that's a far cry from some of these other live premium events <laughs> where we were just like, there. You know, the main might be okay, the beginning, you know, the start might be, and it's got a lot, a lot of fluff in the middle. Yep. I think that they succeeded well. And Nashville, you know, it's a market that we never thought that they'd have a, a stadium show in, uh, but it really worked out well. You know, the whole weekend in Nashville worked out well, but you know, that's an odd market, but it seemed like what is that forty? 48 well they said the, the gimmick number is 49 but it's like forty thousand people right but a mayor told us yeah, that, that you're saying it's not real like this is a politician telling us not that mayor <laughs> <laughs> i don't mind any other mayor telling you but not that guy that guy's dangerous so <laughs> you tell me you're tell you're the you're the you're the arbiter of wrestling towns <laughs> what letter grade does nashville get because chicago's an a town what's nashville that's a b town Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, it's a B town. Nashville's a B town. Yeah, yeah. Um, historically, Tennessee in the in the um, you know, in the Memphis days, that was on around the loop. Memphis was part of that. Nashville, Evansville, Indiana. You know, uh, Knoxville. That was part of that. So Nashville is a good town. Listen, you know, Ric Flair uh, won a championship against Ricky Steamboat in the their trilogy in '89. That was the third town. Nashville's always been solid. A good solid town. So. Yeah, I, I got no problem with Nashville. I, I, I'm just surprised that they had a stadium show there. Yeah. I'm surprised at that. That sounds like Nick Khan. That sounds like him saying, let's get into the NFL stadium, uh, throw a dart, Nashville. <laughs> well, and, and I'm glad it worked out for them because it didn't work out for Money in the Bank. You know, they tried right. to do a stadium show in Vegas, and it didn't work out. They just couldn't sell enough tickets. And, I mean, it might have had something to do with booking a show in Vegas where there was also a UFC fight going on at the same time. But, you know, uh, to each their own. So they were trying to do the, you know, the series of stadium shows, but it gave it that big feel. And I yes. think that was such a big difference where it felt like it felt big. And to start it off with the, the Raw Women's Championship match, it just felt big. And they were able to maintain that feeling all throughout the show. And it looked cool. Like, I don't know what it was about that stadium setup, but like, it just looked cool from the start. Like, outside of the ridiculously long entranceway, like, it just had a cool look to it. Yeah. I had some friends or some, some other wrestling podcasters that went there and they said, you know what? Not a bad seat in the house. It wasn't like the exhaustive, long, 
you know, mm-hmm. lines for the bathroom or the concessions. It's only because, you know, probably because it wasn't exactly full. They had the big setup there. They weren't selling every seat. So it was convenient for a lot of uh, families to be able to go there. So no real complaints coming out of Nissan Stadium for that. Yeah. So uh, good reviews from us on SummerSlam. Let's get to number two. On the three. All right, let's go to AEW Dynamite last night where we saw the undisputed elite blow up. Adam Cole taking out the Young Bucks, Hangman making the save. So, guys, are the Young Bucks better as faces or heels? I mean, I understand why I think you have to make them baby faces here just because I think Adam Cole really works as a heel. So, in, in some sort of configuration, the Bucks can go back and forth. I think they work better as, as heels just because they can come out in the ridiculous outfits that they do. You know, I, I just like them better, better as heels. Um, but it, especially if, if it ends up being hangman page, like I understand why they're going babyface in this angle. If it ends up being those three versus the undisputed elite, just because, Hey, or excuse me, because Kenny Omega might not be ready. Uh, I'm not trying to disparage the young bucks for those of you watching on ESPN Los Angeles. I'm not, because you know, I know those, that's, that's your tag team because they're LA guys or California guys. But you know, for the longest time, I didn't get them. I didn't understand really? it because I, because, yeah, I did not. It's, it's taken me, I think over the last three or four years to really understand the Young Bucks and what they're trying to do. Besides getting t-shirts and merch from the Hot Topic and all that and trying to build everything. I think, I think for me, bro, it's, the way they were able to help build AEW and for them to work in this company and have these great tag team matches, I actually get it now more than I ever have before. I saw them in Ring of Honor early in their career, and I just kind of like – and I saw them in TNA. That really wasn't a great run for them. They were young, and they were kind of run over. I didn't understand them because I was thinking my, – my, what my thought was, I was thinking, so how is it that they're so good that they can have their type of match? How come every time they wrestle, it can't just be a tag team match? Why is it a Young Bucks match, right? And I didn't understand yeah. it I, because it was kind of like watching wrestling in Mexico where these guys can come in and out of the ring the way they want to. You know, they ignore the rules, the five count, the 20 count on the floor. They just did whatever they want to. They And I, also, I felt they were somewhat markish or they were really inside. Hey, one of our moves is called the Dave Meltzer driver. And I just like, what does that mean? Like, I, <laughs> I didn't get it. Like, I, I felt like, it was an inside joke and I wasn't getting it, but I respect them a lot more now. And I understand where they come from. So to answer the question, um, I don't think it matters. I can't tell the difference between a, a baby face and heel young bucks because they're still going to come out and pretend like they're the toughest guys on the block. They're going to chew gum. They're going to have earrings. They're still going to do the suck it stuff from 25 years ago. And they're still going to appeal to the fans. So baby face or heel, I don't really know the difference. Quite frankly, I know what it, what's happening now with the storyline, but for me, it's the same Young Bucks, same type of match, same type of appeal, same type of promos, and it's just them. I don't, I don't think you can call them babyface or heel just based on their demeanor. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, the matches are exactly the same. They're getting the same exact pops during the match. The only difference I would say where I think they work better is babyfaces. And, like, even to, like, Gabe, to your point, like, the crazy outfits and stuff, like, that can be used in, like, a babyface way. Like, you just eliminate the cheating or things like that, like Cutler and the spray. Like that essentially is the only thing you're eliminating by turning them baby face. And you talk about being inside. I saw people tweeting about it where this has apparently been built up a lot on BTE the last few months where 
I don't watch it as regularly as I once did, like when they weren't on my TV every week. But, you know, that could be a little inside where it might have been unexpected last night. Like if you're not watching BTE, it's like, whoa, this is sort of out of nowhere. It also makes me think where we've heard for months there aren't going to be trio titles until Kenny's healthy. Now we find out there's trios titles and we see that. So, like, does that mean we're not going to see Kenny anytime soon? Or is there some sort of other swerve we need to look out for? I mean, I think there could be another swerve. But my guess is, I mean, we're about a month away. We are a month away now from All Out. If Kenny was going to be back, I think Kenny would be back. Well, remember also, according to them last night, Cole and O'Reilly still aren't medically cleared. Like, it's just Fish that's healthy among those three. Yeah. Is that a a swerve, too? I don't even know. Is that a lie or not? I, I don't. I felt. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I just felt like them mentioning it that I, I sort of believed it, but I guess I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really take any bumps. You know, he gave them the, right. You know, Adam Cole gave a, a little mini super kick when when one of the young bucks was on his knees, and, and that was about the the only thing. And they got out of the ring by the time Hangman Adam Page came down. But Bobby Bobby Fish, by the way, is like what is he fifty five years old? I know. <laughs> I know he has a die job. That roundhouse kick takes a million years to <laughs> Like in old school parlance, he's like the Buddy Roberts of the Freebirds. That's who he is. It's just like, God almighty. And then when, when he first came on the scene, we saw him, right? We, I think we're still doing the show together. We're, and like he comes out there as a single. I'm like, nobody wants to see him in right. a single match. Honest to God, man. Like in a tag team, yeah, he's a force, right? But as a single, it's like the roundhouse kick is taking forever and he's still doing like, the pseudo karate style. I'm like, okay, Bobby. You're like, I know he's got like be like at least 50 years old. At least he wrestles like it. <laughs> Seriously. And, I mean, the, the injuries, I know they were very hopeful that everybody was going to be able to be back by all out. And it just still don't know about CM Punk. My guess is probably not. Otherwise, we would for CM Punk at this point. Like, if it was trending in a good direction, I think we would see him on our televisions. We did see Brian Danielson on our TVs last week. Didn't see him on our TVs this week. Um, so hopefully he is still healthy. I- I'm assuming he is. There was um, a little bit of a hint from Daniel Garcia that maybe he wasn't in, in the promo that Daniel Garcia cut. I mean, but it could have just been a heel thing when, right. when he cut that promo. So it's it's unclear. But clearly, Kenny, we still haven't seen him. They, they were hoping all these guys would be back. And now it seems that we're getting to the point where they have to pivot and try to figure out, okay, where are we going to go with this? What are we going to do for All Out since some of these big names apparently aren't going to be around? Well, I'll throw this out with Punk. Like, if he's not ready for All Out, why are we doing Mox and Jericho next week? Why is it quaked by the lake and not All Out? Because I feel like once Punk comes out, you've already got your storyline with him and Mox, which leads me to believe maybe we see him next week, and then it's Mox and Punk at All Out. Yeah, so Moxley's been very aggressive on these promos, saying that he's the champion. Yeah, and so that gives me the hint that Punk will be coming back really soon, and it's Chicago. So who wouldn't want to see Punk against Moxley in Punk's hometown? Punk goes over, and then you move forward with it. That's what it makes. It would make sense to me because Moxley doesn't need all that time. He's had a lot of promo time. <laughs> he's wrestling a lot, and so it makes me. It, it seems like. He's more like the TV champion. He's been out there like every week doing something, right? Uh, you know, putting the title on the line or just what. So I'm like, hmm, I think that we're we're getting closer to a healthy punk against Moxley. He's well, wrestling on Rampage this week. Yeah. Against Mance Warner. Yes. Hey, Wanda. <laughs> right. The winner of the, the bunkhouse, whatever they called it. 
this is a wet dream for Broitz, by the way, to have those two. <laughs> usually, usually you see that match in front of 18 people at some indie show, and not even able to see it. And Brian's like, it's live, baby. They're not even taping it. It's so big, it's live. It's not even at an armory or some random bar. You mean I can see this on my TV? My I mean, the God. world champ versus the winner of the bunkhouse something match? Like, what else can you ask for? The bunkhouse something match. God, they're both going to bleed, and, you know. Uh-huh. Mance is going to go well, to pay Winda, all this stuff. It's, I mean, it's, it's a Mox great. match. Of course he's going to right. bleed. Like this is what, that's what Mox does. But it, it, I hope CM Punk comes back because, again, I, I look at the, the BCC, I look at the Blackpool Combat Club, and they're all kind of operating as individuals currently. Yeah. Like, I'm hoping what happens is you push Punk over, they can go back to doing whatever they wanted to do and, and tell the stories they're going to tell with Punk. And then maybe we see Danielson and and John Moxley back together and we see a stronger Blackpool combat club and you're able to tell the stories that you wanted to originally tell before you had to put the interim title on John Moxley because of the injury to CM Punk. Well, that's what I'm hoping. Look at, like, we don't know who's in the trios tournament yet. Like if you put the BCC in there, like who are the three you're going with? The trios title. Yeah. I, that's it. I, I understand. I mean, you could give any of any of those because there's so much depth on that roster. Like you can give it to the best friends. You can give it to Blackpool Combat Club. There's there's so many. I'm not really keen in on exactly you know who's going to win it, but I'm sure it'll be fine. I don't know. <laughs> I, it'll be fine. I I don't know. I just think it, you know, Gabe made the point like when it first came out. Like it's it's really early for this. You don't need. I don't need it today. I, I, you can give it to me next year and start 2023 with it. I don't need it now. Why do I need the trios titles now? No, the only reason why is because you must, then they, they must mean that Kenny will be healthy soon. That's what it tells me. Right. Right. Again, I mean, it, even then you have so many damn titles because you still have <laughs> ring of honor involved every week in AEW. There are just, it's too many things to keep track of. Why are we adding another thing that I now have to like try to remember? Oh yeah, that these guys are the trios titles. So these guys are the ROH trios titles, but these guys are the ROH tag team titles, and these guys have the ring. There's just so many. Just well, to defend many. them a little bit, the All Atlantic title doesn't appear to be defended in the U.S., and we never see that on TV. We just see highlights every week. So that's one way, I guess, to combat having too many belts. Like Pac just defended all around the world, and no, never actually on AEW TV. It's my match of the week. Oh. Because, it, because because it was on dark. <laughs> like, that's, that's that's where you could find it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but but um, I saw the little clip there, and I know I got to go to dark to be able to see it, and that's fine. That's that's kind of an old school thing, right? Let's we had the tapes rolling here. We got this via video <laughs> tape. Let's now go into Japan and see this match. Let's go to the UK where so and so. It's it's kind of interesting how they do that. That's very unique because you don't see that today. Someone. Right. And they used to say, bicycling the tape over from <laughs> one country to the other so you could be able to slide. Let's see now what happened in the UK with this title change or this title. Like, that's so, it's so different than what you get today. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, by the way, uh, AEW did very well for themselves last night. Uh, still over 900,000. They're in the demo, still number one on cable last night. So, um, uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty average dynamite. You know, not to yeah. say that it was bad. It was it was a pretty average dynamite, and I think they kind of got the average rating that they, they didn't really spend a lot of time building up yesterday's card. 
Um, you know, they, they talked about you versus Jericho, which ended up being fine. And you knew the, you knew the outcome was going to be Jericho going over there the entire time, but it ended up being a fine main event, but AEW uh, still ended up being number one on cable last night. We'll have to ask our intern Austin on uh, GKW what the crowd was in Columbus. I thought it was a hot crowd for, you know, kids not being, you know, not on campus. Yeah, I, thought, I thought it was a really hot crowd for, for Columbus, Seatown. Um, but, it, but you know what? I thought it's kind of a typical AEW crowd, though, right? It's like standing yeah. on their feet and they're, you know, the end of stuff. I just don't, I didn't, did you get the number? I don't know how many people actually were there at Schottenstein. Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, we'll, we'll get Austin working on that and, and we can certainly get that number for, uh, for AEW's crowd last uh, in Columbus. In the meantime, number three on the three count. Brian, what do we got? All right. The other highlight from the wrestling week, a wrestling farewell. Rick That's, Blair wait, wait, wait. That's the word you've decided to use? Highlight? Yeah. Highlight, yeah. It's the final match of a legendary career. And by final match, I mean we'll, we'll see again in a year. So what is the <laughs> word or phrase you would use to describe Ric Flair's last match? Terrifying. I was terrified <laughs> literally the entire time. Like, he just coming down the ramp he's just he's 73 years old the man has lived a hard life he was not moving well just walking down the ramp in the robe and as he's walking down i'm going oh man how are they gonna do this and i mean they they pulled it off they let rick get off his spots and do the strut before after you know double j did his strut and got the rick flair chops in of course, he bladed, you know, and, and had to make sure he bled for the final match of his career. I was, uh, it, and especially once Tony Schiavone went down there to interview him, and as quietly as Rick was talking, like, I was still concerned. Like, we need to get this man to the hospital. Like, we need to get him checked out. I was terrified the entire time. I'm glad he's okay. Hopefully, Rick now has that out of his system. And he can still show up, whether it's with WWE, whether it's through AEW, whether it's through some of these, you know, the, these independent promotions that um, his son-in-law, Conrad Thompson, put together. Like, I, I still want to see Ric Flair on TV. I think he can still be an asset to professional wrestling. I just don't ever want to see him in a ring again wrestling a match. Um, I was terrified. I was terrified. So he comes down the ramp. And you know it's a problem when you're 73 and the belt's too heavy for you to go down the ramp with. You saw him adjusting, right? He yeah. kept adjusting. And at some point, he just handed the belt off because he cannot walk down the ramp with that championship. From what I understand, for those that were there behind the scenes, Rick was so worked up and blown up before he came out there because of, like, The Undertaker and Bret Hart and uh, Cactus Jack. And so many others, WWE personnel was in the back too, that he didn't want to let anyone down, that he blew himself up. And it's terrifying when you see a man pass out twice in a match. He passed out, like didn't remember the spots. You saw at the end, and Andrade's like, hey man, here we go. Andrade, he's like, Rick, here we go, man. And he's like, what? The brass knucks is on the wrong hand. It's on the left hand. He put on the right hand, his hands quivering, right? And it's kind of like, oh, shit. Like, like, can he get up and finish this thing? You knew, and we all saw this, 
when you saw him laying out on the apron for like five or six minutes, right? They gave him water, could not put the water to his mouth. There was no real, this is the difference between an independent show and a WWE AEW show. Where's the doctor? He's yeah. 73. That, that, that's, that's frightening. It's like, you don't think he's going to get up like it's 1995 and start, you know, taking a slam off the top rope. The, another sign. One of the things we saw in the training video is that he was taking a superplex from Jay Lethal. They put him up, and he was like, I yeah. can't take that. Yeah, that is that was not happening. So it ended up being a regular suplex. He took that. But when you're laid out, and you know the referee's supposed to administer a 10 count, like Rick wasn't getting up, right? right? And so that's – and the other thing, too, is that the match was too long. They yeah, went like, 27 that, minutes. No, that you can't go right. that long with someone at 73. Right. So ultimately, guys, what I'm saying in a nutshell is, is that when you think it's a good idea to put a 73-year-old in the ring, if you decide you want to do that, remember, that's what it's going to look like. Uh, like yep. 73-year-old Shawn Michaels, 73-year-old Bret Hart, 73-year-old Hulk Hogan, that's what it's going to look like. You want to put that out there? That's fine. I know Rick wanted to do that because of his ego. He wanted to wrestle. But it frightened me that he's laying in the prone in the ring and said he didn't remember spots and passed out twice. That's, yeah. I mean, what if, right? What if it was something worse? Seriously. No, completely agree. That's why, like, uncomfortable was it for me because, yeah, it was literally after he did the stuff outside with the blading and there was his daughter out there. He didn't get up. I think he stood up maybe once more than even the figure four. Like, he's still on his back. Like, to me, like, I felt uncomfortable thinking it, but, like, it almost gave off, like, Ultimate Warrior vibes, where, like, you see that farewell, and then the next day we hear he's no longer with us. Because, like, that was sort of, like, the closure. That was, like, the closing of the door, whereas Warrior, we had that Raw promo, and then Tuesday, you know, he passes away. I don't get how anyone allowed that. Like, it was very weird. I agree. 27 minutes is ridiculously long. They did their part. They carried a lot of it, the other three guys in that match, but there still was just too much of him in that match. And... I guess if you want the closure, like, you know, everyone's getting paid. He gets his thing. But, like, he's going to want to do it again. And someone has to be the adult in the room and say, you know what, Rick? Like, no, we can't do this anymore. I, I guess I just hold out hope that he knows better now. Maybe <sighs> not. I don't know. Like, It's he's, wrestling. I don't know how he, you could think that. Like, <laughs> Well, and, 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 and it's Ric Flair, right? Right. Like, like it. it the, the thing that stood out to me, I had somebody come up to me earlier today and ask me which um, documentary I liked more, the 30 for 30 on Ric Flair or the, the Andre the Giant HBO one. And the, the Ric Flair one just sticks with me. And I, I like it so much, maybe because Rick hated it, because there was a side that people talked about that maybe he didn't want to talk about. But the one line that just sticks out to me from that documentary was from Shawn Michaels. When HBK says, I don't know if Rick knows who Richard Flair is. Like there, Richard Flair, like he, he probably stopped existing a long time ago. And Ric Flair, like he's just he's the nature boy. This is this is who Rick is now. And that that line just got blurred for Rick years and years ago. And maybe he he feels like okay, that wasn't my best. I can do better. And maybe he wants to try to do it again. I I, I hope not. And I hope that all the listed off Jay Hood of passing out twice and. Like, this is a guy that had a pretty big health scare not that long ago. Yes. I just, it's, I, I hope not for Rick's sake. And again, like I said, I think he can be an asset. At, even at 73, 
You know, I think he can be an asset to AEW. I think he'd be an asset for WWE. He can help with storytelling. You can come out, pop the crowd, wave, cut a promo every once in a while. Like, I, I don't think you have to leave the world of pro wrestling behind, but you just can't get in the ring again. And this is, I mean, it is amazing that Sting looks as good as he does for a 60-year-old when he gets in the ring in AEW and they've done, you know, I think they've done the right things with him and, and they've made him attraction and, and they, but that's the aberration, man. Like right. that's not, and, and maybe that was part of why Rick thought he could do this is he see, Oh man, look at Sting. He's going in AEW. I bet I can do this. And, and now that that happened, I'm hoping he goes, Oh man, I just can't do this anymore. But he is Ric Flair and he probably can talk himself into just about anything the way he and has all, you know, for the last 20 years, he's probably talked himself into a lot of different things. Like, I think there's two separate things. Like, Taker, his last few matches, looked bad. Like, he was not a good wrestler. Like, it was not enjoyable to watch. It's like, all right, no more Taker. But, like, it was never that uncomfortable of, like, is this guy going to be living at the end of the match? Like, there's a difference well, there. Like, this wasn't Flair just having a bad wrestling match. Like The Goldberg match was... Right, I, I, I wasn't sure was if he was going to survive the Goldberg match, <laughs> okay. just because... Hmm. That's fair. But like, yeah, there's a difference where like if Flair was out there and just had a bad wrestling match, then maybe you have you're open to discussion to where maybe Tony sees everyone excited and you know Andrade needs a third partner for the trios tournament. Andrade, Roosh, and Flair. If Flair just has a bad wrestling match, but like that's not quite what Saturday was or Sunday was. So hopefully everyone agrees on that. Andrade, Roosh, and Flair. Yeah. God, we're just sure. talking about all of Brian's like <laughs> biggest fantasies right now. He will That's just won't be satisfied. He won't be satisfied until he actually sees death in the ring. That I mean, that's what it is. That's what it's come down to. He wants to see someone die. Hey, that's it's what, what Nate wanted. It's the way he wants to go. So let me just tell you the MVP of that match, and it's Jeff Jarrett. Mm. So so this is what Tennessee wrestling is, and this is what it was, right? If if no one that's listening or watching has ever seen Tennessee wrestling, especially when Jerry Lawler was over in Memphis, that's what it looks like. It's walking it, it's talking it, it's stalling. It's it's getting more and more heat. It's it's stalling some more, more and more heat until you actually get in the ring and touch. That's what Jeff Jarrett did. That was GCW Jeff Jarrett, right? There's a guy there that came out there and was throwing beer on people and pushing Ric Flair's wife and pushing Conrad Thompson. And he was just getting all kind of heat. But all of this was to give Ric Flair a chance to breathe. So I give him full credit. It may have looked crazy on TV. Like, why is Jeff Jarrett going off? He did it for a reason. It's because Andrade's as good a wrestler he is, he had to take five steps back in that match just to push Rick into the, into the spotlight. All three of us know that Andrade is a tremendous wrestler. You didn't see that Sunday. There's a reason why. It's because, like, well, this is Rick Flair's last match. I can't do the shit that I usually do. So so Jeff Jarrett, and this is nothing against Jay Lethal either because Lethal was, was fantastic. He trained Rick. But Jeff Jarrett is a guy who deserves all the credit because it wasn't – he got all the heat leading into it. And then he was just stalling, let Flair, you know, bleed, all this other stuff. Got Karen involved, his wife. So I want to give him credit because that's how Memphis used to be, right? Just just stall. You have a whole bunch of people hate, hate you, throw beer on people, let them cuss you until you actually touch it. Now here comes the heat. Now people say, well, I can't wait for Jeff Jarrett to get his. I can't wait. And so that's what that was. So Jeff gets all the credit. For, for making that match go the way it did. 
Yeah, uh, needless to say, I don't think we're going to be talking about this match in our next segment. As I now we go around the horn and ask what your favorite match was or the best match that you saw from this past week. I don't think anybody's going to put Ric Flair's last match on their list. A lot of choices, yeah. you know, between SummerSlam and Monday Night Raw and maybe even last night's Dynamite. What do you have, Jay, on your list of best match you saw for the past week? God, this is this is very difficult. Because, you know, I can give you the main event of SummerSlam, but that's too easy. I won't do that. Um, I, I will. And Brock and Ro- oh, Brock and Roman is fine. So, <laughs> so, so that's fine. Brock and Roman, that, that happened on Saturday. Yeah. Yep. So, so, it, didn't, so it didn't count. <laughs> so, 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 so screw you. How about that? So I will give this. I'll give the, I'll give the Rowan answer of Ray Phoenix. Torres, uh, Laredo Kid, and Bandito. Now that was the best match of Ric Flair's last match. It wasn't the main yes. event. Yes, <laughs> no. no. But but you know what they had? They I mean, had shocking. You put time. the best wrestler in the world in a ring, and he ends up putting on a good match. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Your guy, right? And 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 of course, Ray was he was fantastic. Of course, Ray Ray Phoenix is always fantastic. He always yep. is. So that's not. But surprising. you got the but Bandito that, twisty, twisty, flippy, flippy move. Like that one was hard to top. Yeah, that that gave twisty, David Crockett a hard on. He, <laughs> he loved it. He, he was amazed at that. He hadn't seen wrestling since like you know 90, 95, and he saw that and he goes, "Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. wrestlers are fast today, David." Um, but but yeah, so that was the best match that I saw for Rick Flair's last match. Now, see, I can go SummerSlam and give you the main event, but I'm trying to give you something. From this week, starting on Sunday. Okay. <laughs> See, I wish there, like, that was the best match from Sunday from that card. Like, this was a card I was really excited about coming in, and then it was sort of disappointing. Like, some of those matches were so quick. Like, the Gresham match, like, was a little less than ten minutes. So, like, oh, uh, but whole... you knew he's going. But you knew he was going over. Oh, of Why? course, yeah. You gotta keep him happy. Mask, mask <laughs> yeah. and flag. Didn't see that against Claudio, did you? Yeah. So, boo-boo, like that overall, <laughs> it was disappointing to see that overall. So, like. For me, I have two matches. Like, Monday, Rollins and Montez Ford was a lot of fun. And, like, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Montez Ford is a star. He's going to be a star. Rollins was the perfect guy to showcase that even more. And the other one I had from last night, the women's tag match. That storyline's been going on way too long with Britt and Hayter versus Rosa and Tony Storm. But, like, that was a good payoff. All four of them got to shine. It was impressive Hayter getting the win, which, you know, not something I expected because I hope ultimately there is more for her. It even led me to believe that eventually if she breaks off, is she the massive face that, you know, is able to beat Jade? Like, we talk a lot about, you know, Roman and the Usos and there being no one to beat them. There's really no one to beat Jade right now because they've thrown everyone at her. She beats everyone. Jamie Hayter as a face, like, that was a fun match last night, those four going at it. And, and the key, by the way, that was hour one, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so they didn't bury it before the main like they normally do in hour right. two. They gave them some shine in hour one, Gabe. That's a, that's actually good. I'm a Jamie Hayter fan. I think yeah. that that I think she's she's going to be a star in this company if they allow her to. Nothing against uh, Britt Baker. I just think that Jamie Hayter is that breakout star that I think that AEW uh, is lacking, quite frankly, in this yeah. company. If I can't go main events from SummerSlam because <laughs> it was just so ridiculous, like. <laughs> 
Like we, we could have literally talked about that main event the entire hour today. And I don't know if we had talked about it enough because they took a front loader and made it useful in a wrestling match. It was awesome. Um, but I will go the first triple threat match on raw just because I mean, you let Mustafa Ali like showcase that he is a talent. You let AJ Styles show that he is that good in the ring. You put these guys in meaningful matches and meaningful situations, and surprise, they end up delivering. You know, so I, that was one that I really enjoyed watching on Monday Night Raw, and that was, you know, it kind of set the table for the second one. And you kind of guessed that okay, maybe Ciampa will win that one to continue the Styles versus Ciampa and Miz feud, but it was just. It, it set to me, set the table for what was to come for the final, you know, two hours or so of Raw, whenever that match happened. It, it was fantastic. It like made me excited going, I don't remember a match this good on Monday Night Raw. And it just, it, it set the table and, and made me excited. Yeah, I mean, that's the best part. Like we have multiple shows to choose matches from now. Like there are multiple weeks <laughs> when we have this segment where we talk about best matches. Like, all right, what did we enjoy most from Dynamite last night? Or was there something at, on Rampage on Friday? Like, it's nice that we're going to have Raw and probably SmackDown in the mix now as well. So um, a couple of things here. Some uh, A note here from Austin, the intern, says that uh, that uh, Dynamite sold 5,200 tickets, uh, 1,400 uh, freebies. 5,000, that's about what you're getting. That's the average now, right? It's about yeah. 5,000, 6,000. That's not bad on a Wednesday night. No, yeah, I think that's yeah, that's their sweet spot for for, for Monday nights, and then they hope to get to that ten thousand number when they do their pay per views. I, I think that's pretty standard. You know, mm -hmm. maybe that when they when they pop up one of the big shows, you know, like obviously last year for the first dance, they had CM Punk in the building, and they you know sold how many ever tickets to the United Center because Chicago's an A town. Um, it is. <laughs> yes, it is, sir. And they're going to show you when they're here burning this town out for another three. <laughs> just, God. hey, I, I just hope Chicago can like still be standing after AEW's <laughs> leaning on them for three live shows in a couple oh, of weeks buddy. here in a terrible building, by the way, um, in Fair. the lead up to to all out I, personally like so i've been to i went to all in i've been to every all out that they've done in chicago i was kind of hoping that maybe all out has gotten big enough they could move away from that building and something else apparently that's not, not the case so uh, well uh, so yeah. for those that are that, that for those that don't know so the now arena is in hoffman estates which is an hour away from the city a little longer for me uh living on the south side of chicago but it's an hour away right and so the reason why Gabe says that, it's not that, that the building sucks. It's that it's just away from everything. When the show's over at 10 o'clock, you got nowhere to go. Everything's closed up, right? Your little Ruby Tuesdays and your little, you know, your, your restaurants and stuff, everything's closed down. And if you're looking for cab service, uh, good luck. Because you, oh, you, you, you have no opportunity uh, to be able to get uh, car service out of there to get back to downtown. You have to drive, and that and that's the mm -hmm. whole thing with it. Like, I guess from their standpoint, they're like, okay, we got to do the now arena because we can't do the United Center three times because now that's that's anywhere between four and six million dollars, and 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 you're not going to draw a full house for Rampage. I've tried. I did that last year. I was there for Rampage. I'm like, where is everybody? All the tickets are sold, but there's nobody here, right? So I, I think that people are either going to go dynamite or going to the pay per view on that Sunday. Yeah, it's the other problem I have with that arena is that 
there's like got to wait for so long just to get into the arena. Um, so again, I was hoping they'd upgrade maybe next year for, uh, for AEW for all out. Cause you know, they're going to continue to do that in Chicago. Well, all right, Brian, well, what do we for, have for, in our, well, for the, well, for the GKW uh, VIPs, like yours, yours truly, I can give you another X. I mean, there's another way in. I, there is a VIP <laughs> entrance. If, all right. Well, you, make sure. If, I mean, if you, if you ask me nicely, <laughs> You being the VIP, we'll make sure we don't publicly release that information. You'll have to send me a text. What do we have in the news and notes section this week, Brian? All right, guys. We talked about Triple H. He was on the Logan Paul podcast and maybe a little bit of an insight into his booking philosophy. I got to be an entertainer. And you told me that. I said it to at you, WrestleMania. Right? Because I feel like that's the gap that people have, right? Even, even our talent that have been doing this a long time. It's not the moves, right? It's, it's not the... It's like watching a movie. How, how many movies have you seen with crazy budgets and special effects and CGI that visually you go like, holy shit, that's amazing, right? And no one cares. Sorry, <laughs> the, yeah. the movie bombs, right. there's no story. No one really fully cares, right? Because it's not about the moves, what we do. It's about what you do in between. It's the characters and the story. That's why I was saying to you, like, you, you know what you're doing, right? You've, you've, you've walked through this. You've done it. You're ready to go. You know the moves. You're an athlete. You're, and, dude, crazy good athlete that Thanks. has picked this up like that. That's not easy to do. I've only seen that less than a handful of people be able to do what you've done. Thank you. Right? That's amazing, and you should be proud of that. But, but the truth is, the athleticism, all those other things, I can make a way longer list of terrible athletes that were incredibly over in this business mm. than I can crazy athletes that were the be-all, end-all, right? People that are fanatics about what we do go like, oh, my God, the match was so good. Those guys are so good, right? And everybody else is like, yeah, here's a, you know. There's Triple H on uh, storytelling. Yeah, so I think I mean what I think his point is there is try, trying to find a way to balance the two, right? Because I think there are also you know while he can say yeah, I think there are really some really good athletes that have been able to get over. I think that there are you know some really like big guys that maybe don't have the matches that that don't have the moves that even if, if even if you tell really good stories, you're not going to be able to get them over either. I think it's about balancing those two, and he didn't necessarily say that. But I'm guessing that's what he kind of believes. It's a little bit about balancing that entertainment with the moves. What do you think of that, bro? It's when you first saw that. I mean, it's what we've talked about all the time. Like, it's those little things. Like, moves make matches, but, you know, you need those moments. Like, those moments are what ultimately draw the fan in, that get us excited. And, like, that's been the best AEW moments where we have great matches on Wednesdays and Fridays. But it's the moments we talk about, the Cody and Dustin stuff, the Punk and MJF stuff. So I think him understanding that balance, and we saw it in NXT, the real NXT, the black and gold. Like, they built up to those moments. You had those theories. Like, exactly. You had those wonderful matches that we all loved, but it's because of the storytelling and the moments that ultimately led to all that. You know, when I first saw that clip, guys, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, I hope AEW wrestlers are watching because what Triple H just gave you is the blueprint to get in that company, right? Uh, your five-star moves and everything you do on Dark and Rampage and Dynamite is cool, but can you tell a story? Meaning that it's not about, it, 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 the story is, is that when, you, when they turn the camera on you and you do a promo, are you believable? Because if you're not believable, Darius uh, Martin, if you're, if you're not, like you can do all the moves, but when you look in the camera, I can't believe you, right? right. 
um, Jungle Boy is start, starting to learn it, right? He's got, a, he's got a nice promo going now. We know he can wrestle, but who are you besides the five-star uh, moves, right? Are you wrestling for Dave Meltzer and the, the five-star matches, or are you wrestling for yourself and your character? And so when I heard that, I was thinking, hmm, he just gave the, the blueprint of saying, it's, I, like, your moves are cool. I mean, you got had a great match, but who are you, right? All these guys that have first and last. And you know what? A lot of these kids, it's not their fault. They grew up with John Cena, right? That's what yeah. they grew up with. And if they grew up with John Cena, they would realize that it, he had five moves, if that. But the rest of it was rapping. It was great promos. It's believability. He was booed in every arena around the world and still was able to get over. How? Because he had personality more yep. so than just the moves. So that's the first thing I think. By the way, and, and, and I praise Triple H for that. But also, will I have a, a big problem with him saying that wrestling before Vince was in t- t- teeny tiny bars? <laughs> Did you see that quote too? Did you yeah. guys see that? I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, to Logan Paul, they're eating it up like, yeah, you mean wrestling was nothing before Trip? No, 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 that's that's not true. Now, was it a global brand like WWE back then? No, it was not. But it, you mean to tell me that the Von Erichs did not fill up Texas Stadium or the Cotton Bowl? You mean to tell me Jim Crocker Promotions never had a full house of 30,000 people in a NFL stadium? You mean World Class didn't go to Israel to wrestle and have an amazing house? World Class going to China? I'm sorry, the WCW going to China? What, what 80,000, 90,000 people? Stop. The idea that wrestling was zero, like nobody, they was in little armories and tiny bars and stuff. That's not true. I don't know why he told that lie. He knows because he's been that. brainwashed by Vince. Like that's a Vince line. Like it's not that it wasn't in the Vince bubble. It's not in the Vince world. It doesn't exist. That's just bullshit, though. That, like, yes. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he would say that because he knows better than that to say that wrestling, it, it, like it was irrelevant until Vince it took it over. That's not true, man. It just isn't. He knows better than that. What do we have next? Uh, anything else left in the news and notes, Brian? Yeah, a couple other things. Fightful selected the report on MJF saying that nobody in AEW has heard from him since that June 1st promo. So the report is, well, there is no report. It's a bummer um, because I would love to see more MJF, but obviously there are some real issues there that still need to be figured out. And who knows the way that, I mean, this is the first time that Tony's really had to deal with something of this magnitude. It's going to be interesting how he wants to deal with it. And then finally in the AEW World, uh, Saturday night, Battle of the Belts 3, I believe. Three matches on the card. Claudio Castanoli defends the ROH title against Takesha. Wardlow defends the TNT title against Jay Lethal. And Thunder Rosa defends the women's title against Jamie Hayter. I like that card. I think it's a good card. Grand Rapids, Michigan um, will be there. It'll be taped Friday and shown on Saturday. Look, uh, AEW is doing all they can to crank out content. I've been reading this week about how Discovery is looking at content. They are cutting back and laying off a lot of people. If I'm an AEW fan watching or listening to this podcast, I'd be very concerned about where this company is going to be. Not that the company is going to disband, but where is it going to be? Like I don't know if this, this old, old Turner brand that's on Discovery likes wrestling. Uh, I mean, it's as we uh, already discussed, it's number one once again in its time slot. But everything I'm reading is that Discovery is trying to cut back all of their live content outside of the NBA. 
Uh, and so we'll see how that works out. But, hey, you know what? I think this is going to be a nice card. I like the, what you just laid it out there for us. It's going to be an hour, right? That's an hour yep. special? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah, our special on Saturday night should be good. Um, and again, they they do these pop-up shows on Saturday nights every once in a while. It's not going to pop a huge number, but if you happen to DVR it, if you happen to catch it live, I think you're going to be entertained because those six wrestlers, we know that they can go and it's going to be it, it's going to be fun to watch. That's right, folks. We'll be on here live uh, this Saturday for a Battle of the Battle Belts. of the Belts 3. GKW Saturday night. We'll what do you, be what here do you... for you. <laughs> we what do you think's bigger, WrestleMania three or Battle of Belts three? <laughs> we'll discuss on Saturday. I will say you mentioned DVR. It's one of those annoying things. It doesn't always show up in the DVR because they changed the name of it. So if you want a DVR, you might have to do it right now. So just yes. throw that out there. Word of warning. Right. Make sure you do that. And I already know, I know we've made them late, so we got to get going. I know you've got to lock in to Impact J Hood. Yes. So you know yes. we'll make sure we. <laughs> Yes, got to find it on your TV. Yes. Uh, there will be plenty Impact of things wrestling. to talk about Hello. because there always are plenty of things Hello. to talk about in the world of wrestling. We'll be back Impact next Thursday. Wrestling. This has been GKW. It's Hello. Been-